Praise God. All right, you ready for the word? All right. Uh, turn to 2 Corinthians 6 3. We're going to be read down to verse 10. Second Corinthians 6 3 says, We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. In all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness. In fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying. Behold, we live as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. Let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, I thank you so much for the word of God that's filled with nutrients that we need. We're going to open our heart and receive it and be nourished by it. Holy Spirit, again, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and the heart of each person listening, open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what's being said. Father, I thank you for causing people to walk away with exactly what they need. Only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go up to verse 3, start unpacking this. Paul says, we give no offense. Say no offense. No offense. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. And that offense is a Greek word which means an occasion for stumbling. Occasion for stumbling. So we're not going to give any occasion for anybody to stumble. And so this brings out that you're not an island to yourself as a Christian. Is that, uh, is that you're living your Christian walk before the Lord, but also who are you living it before? Other people, and especially unbelievers are watching you. Tell someone there's someone watching you. Wherever you are, you know, and it's like I travel around the, the world and there'll be people like, hey, Pastor Rick. It's like, boy, if I was in sin, I'd be in trouble because I can't go anywhere without being. But you know what? The Lord's watching, but other people are watching. And so we should never give an offense for anyone. And so ministers especially shouldn't only think about their own privileges and blessings. Don't think, they don't think, a lot of ministers don't think about how their life looks to others or what impact their life has on others. For instance, Paul in his own life, that he, whenever he went somewhere, he would not receive an offering in the churches he was in to cut off any excuse that people would have, oh, you're just here for the money. And so he wouldn't receive any money. And so, uh, he would receive offerings from other churches that he had been a blessing to. Matter, well, I'm sorry, the only church that ever gave anything to him was the, the church at Philippi. Isn't that sad? Out of all the churches, he says, there's only one church that, that regularly gave to me, and that was the church at Philippi. And so uh, he says, they're the only one that had an account with me in giving and receiving. 
And so, but you know what? He, he said, I'm going to, there's nothing wrong with receiving, inherently wrong receiving offerings or support from those you minister to. But he just felt that there, there would be an occasion for people there to, to blame him. So he, he held back what he, could get, what he could normally do. That our ministry may not be blamed. Look at, say, say our, ministry. our ministry. Paul didn't say my ministry. So he says, not only do I want, disc- don't want my ministry dis- discredited, I don't want to do anything that will discredit the ministry across the board. Do you know when certain ministers fell in the late 80s? Yeah. That it brought discredit across the board in the ministry. Yeah. Offerings went down across the body of Christ. And it was a great occasion for people to malign the ministry. And so whatever you're doing, you're affecting other ministers. Whatever I do will affect other ministers. And so Paul says that our ministry be not blamed. And so look at verse 4. And so I'm going to actually read verse 4 and 5. I need your help. And when I, when I say the word in, I want you to count. So, so the first time I say in, what will you say? Okay, it gets harder. When I say in the second time, you say? Two. Okay, you guys are good. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God. I'm testing you. In much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. How many? Eleven times Paul uses the word in. And he's going to talk about tests, trials, and tribulations. And he's going to say that, that he found himself in these. And welcome to be a Christian, because you're going to find yourself in tests, trials, and tribulations. And you don't go looking for them. Now, if you're looking for trials, tests, and tribulations, there's something wrong with you. But you think, well, I'll leave the devil alone, he'll leave me alone. It doesn't work that way. If you're born again, you you have a big X on you, and he's going to find you. And so tests, trials, and tribulations are going to, and you're going to find yourself in them. Sometimes you'll fall into them. Didn't even realize they were coming. You're walking along, and you fall into a test, trial, and tribulation. Paul said 11 times the word in. The number 11, sorry, I have a hair on there. (laughs) Sorry. I had to tell you because you wouldn't know why I was blowing on my Bible. (laughs) And it would just start falling out. All right. The number 11 in the Bible stands for disorder and chaos. And so he lists 11 areas where he had tests, trials, he had troubles, he had disorder, he had chaos. It happens to all of us. And we find ourselves in it. James chapter 1, look at verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into... Various trials, tests, tribulations. You fall into them. 
Now, there's many times that you can go around them by not being stupid. But even if you're smart and you're walking in the will of God, you will run into them. And you're, some of them you're not going to go around. You have to go through them. And so Paul said, fall into various trials. And so all the things Paul mentions here as in this and in that are various occasions for ministers to leave the ministry over the last 2,000 years. And you as Christians, you, just as Christians, you're going to encounter these things and they're going to try to stop what God's called you to do in your Christian walk. And that's what it says, in all these things, these negative things, we commend ourselves. Look at the word commend. It means to recommend a favorable attention. To recommend to favorable attention. A minister is not commended so much on his message than his lifestyle. Let me say that again. A minister is not so much commended to favorable attention by his message, but by his lifestyle. Does anybody love a good juicy steak? I was going to ask you what cut. You already went right to it, ribeye. But no one likes to eat a nice juicy steak on a filthy plate. And that's like a minister that has a good message but lives a dirty lifestyle. Tell someone, be a clean plate. Our message is to be served upon a plate of our life. Therefore, make it a clean one. Trials are opportunities... For favorable attention. Even as you, Christian, when you go through a trial, go through a trial, it is an opportunity for you to have favorable attention. You're working at the workplace and you have the same boss as everyone else has. And everybody else is griping and complaining, but guess what? You have joy. You have peace. And people are looking at you like there's something different about you. Now, they may not outwardly speak well of you, but inside they respect you and you have favorable attention. So whenever you have a trial, there's an opportunity for favorable attention. And so the first thing he says now, we commend ourselves in much patience. You ever prayed for patience? (laughs) Raise your hand if you don't have patience. One person, don't have patience. Well, you actually have it. It's just really deep. (laughs) Really deep. And the first thing that comes out in your trial is not that. But let patience have her perfect work. Patience is worked out. A minister does not need just patience, but in this verse, much patience. I'm commended in much patience. Why would a minister need much patience? Much people. <laughs> there you go. I love Proverbs that says, where there's no ox, the stall is clean. Ministry would have been much easier if there were no people. But you know what? I love the people in this church. 
Why would you need patience if you don't have an ongoing negative situation? And Paul found himself in it. You may have, be in a situation right now that you have an ongoing situation going on in your life, your health, your finances, a relationship, and you're in it. And you, and you didn't ask for it, but you're in it. Much patience. Much patience. In tribulations, look at the word tribulations, it means intense pressure. You ever had pressure just from all sides that seemingly like pressing in on you? Pressure comes with the ministry. However, you need to stay in communion with the Lord in the Word and in prayer. And the, and the Word on the inside and the Holy Spirit on the inside is a greater pressure than what's on the outside. Many ministers are not remaining under the pressure of ministry. They're leaving their post. And that's happened with a lot of Christians. Why, why a lot of Christians don't bear fruit is they have no root. Right when it gets tough, they bolt. And they use the God card. I feel led. I feel led to leave. Well, I've heard that so much. I want to get a piece of like lead for them to feel. I'm like, most Christians are lying. And they're led by their emotion. Either they're lying or they're actually being deceived. Let me say something to you. The closest thing to a, a spiritual leading is strong emotion. Strong emotion. And so how do you know you have a spiritual leading versus just an emotional leading? Is, first of all, the Word of God divides spirit and soul. For instance, young lady, if you want to date an unbeliever, because he's hot, and I'm a missionary for Jesus. And I love him. He loves me. And I think, I believe it's God. Well, go to the Word. Let the Word divide what's spiritual leading, what's a soulish leading. What's the Word say about dating an unbeliever or marrying an unbeliever? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. So the Word will show you that's soulish. And then draw closer to God, and as you draw closer to God, the desires of the flesh becomes less, and the desires of the spirit will grow more. You may even have to, you know, this is getting serious, you may need to like cut out a meal. And then, and even worse, pray. Has it come to that? Prayer? Someone here in this room, you, you're having a strong desire for something. And the Lord's saying, press into me, and I'm going to show you if it's spirit or soul. And I, I don't got a, a gleaning on which one it is, but you don't know which one it is. But if you'll draw closer to God and, and get into his word, it will divide spirit and soul for you. I better get going here. Pressure. You don't know what's in you until you're squeezed. You don't know what you're full of until your bucket is bumped. Next, Paul said, I found myself in needs. In needs. As a minister, you'll experience times of need, both personally and ministerially. As a Christian, you'll find sometimes you are in need. But God's your source. Tell someone, God is your source. 
Now, when we're in need in the natural, that is not God's will. That we live in a lack. That's not God, not His will. Usually it's due either to persecution. Paul was in need because he was in persecution. He was in jail, didn't have things, things were stripped and taken from him. He was in the ministry being persecuted, so he lacked based on persecution. Some of it is because of personal fault that you're where you are. Tell someone you might be your problem. <laughs> well, I never come to church to be insulted. I didn't say you. You just gave yourself away. Someone says, you know what? There's a reason for everything. Yeah, usually because you're stupid. I'm sorry, I'll be nice. Not knowing. This is usually due to persecution, personal fault, or you're just starting out. When you're first starting out, you haven't sown any seed. You haven't sown a lot of stuff. So, so when you first start out, uh, when you're young, hey, that's the time you're living on ramen noodles and, and things like that, and on, on coupons for double get two burgers for, for a price of one. And, but you know what? As you're sowing good seed and you're progressing and you're giving, you grow in, in, in more and more. So, so in needs, in distresses, Paul found himself in distresses. The word distress means narrowness of room where it's hard to breathe. It's really hard to breathe. I don't care how narrow it seems like things are pressing in on you right now. You'll never, God will never allow you to get to a place where you can't pray, speak the word, or have room to stand before the throne of grace. Let me say that again. I don't care how much pressure is in your life, you'll never get to a place to where you can't pray, you can't speak God's word, and you don't have room to stand before God's throne of grace. In stripes, that means... Uh, the blows of a whip in stripes. Paul said that he received stripes beyond number. That means there's multiple times that he got whipped. If the average Christian got whipped, that would be the last time they ever got whipped because <laughs> they're out of the ministry. Just like men, if men had babies, there'd be one per family. In stripes, in imprisonments. We know Paul was imprisoned in Philippi. We know he was imprisoned in Jerusalem. We know twice he was imprisoned in Rome, and we have evidence probably he had, he had visited other prisons and had a prison ministry. In tumults, that is instability, a state of disorder, disturbance, confusion. Paul experienced this in Ephesus when the whole city was in an uproar and a riot and they were going to kill him. Some of you are experiencing a tumult right now in your life. Stuff going on in your life, there's instability, there's a state of disorder, there's a disturbance, there's confusion in your life. 
and you're in a tumult right now. Well, pastor, what do I do about it? Hang on. Hang on. That's, that's, a, that's a word for somebody. Hang on. Tell someone, hang on. Hang on to your trust in God. You're coming through. It's going to settle down. Peace be still. In labors, that word labor means hard work. Some of you need to get into that. Wherever Paul went, he worked hard with his own hands not to be a burden to anyone. So he didn't take up offerings, so what did he do? He didn't sit around waiting for the birds to feed him. He worked. He had a job, J-O-B, and that's not Job. <laughs> I'm staying away from it. No, job. Young ladies, if you haven't been married, the, first can the candidate for marriage, the first thing he should have is a job. Yeah. job. A, a what? A well-paying job. There you go. And the lady said, Amen. In sleeplessness. This is an example of this when Paul was on a horrible storm on a ship for three weeks that it's being tossed horribly. No one could sleep. In this slip, and so they got very little sleep during this time. Sleeplessness. There's someone here that hasn't been able to sleep well. And I speak right now that's broken in Jesus' name. Amen. I speak sleep over you and your sleep shall be sweet. In fastings, uh-oh, uh, I believe this is not only, uh, because in the New Testament, they had a practice of fasting. It wasn't forced, and you didn't do it in order to impress God or get God to move, but it's to, to shut down your own flesh so you can be sensitive to hear from God. And so Jesus says, when you fast, not if you fast. And so, but, but I believe here, these were forced fasts where, where he was in prisons in places that, where they didn't have, they didn't feed him. And so there's times where during the hardship of ministry, he didn't have food to eat and it was a forced fast. Now we're going to read verses six and seven. I need your help again because I'm not going to leave you in your test trials and tribulations. God wants you to come out. Tell someone you're coming out. And you're going to come out by the grace of God. And the two, two next verses are going to tell you all the resources of grace in order to come out of your inn. That you're in the midst of these things, this chaos, this disorder, these things that you found yourself in that Satan has thro thrown at you. And so God is going to show you this uh, grace that he has that's going to meet the need and overwhelmingly bring you out. I'm, I'm titling this message, The Ins and Outs of Grace. Now, when I say the word by, I want you to count. You ready? Verse 6. By purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, 
by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of the truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the left hand, right hand and left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. How many is that? Eleven. Hmm. We had eleven states of chaos, disorder, trials, tests, tribulations, but then God's going to give you eleven resources of grace to overcome them. God will always match the devil and beat him. The word by means through what God's going to provide as resources for you to come out victorious. We come into problems, but we're coming out by God's grace. Tell someone that you, get to, you, you need to get to know the ins and outs of grace. The first he says, the first, great, the th- first resource of grace that God's given you is by purity. By pur- we commend ourselves by purity. That means that God has given, the word purity means holiness. God, you know, God's not called you first to live holy, but to understand you are holy. That he's provided holiness in your spirit to live from by the Holy Spirit. He's given you holiness. And so that is a resource for you to live out in the midst of your situation. Because the temptation in the problem you're having is to live in sin or to to turn to sin instead of trusting God. What's sin? It's not trusting God. So so worry is sin. Uh Uh-oh. Whatever is not of faith is? Have you ever worried in faith? I'm trusting you, Jesus. I'm trusting you. <laughs> by purity, by knowledge. This is the knowledge of the Lord Jesus you get through the word. It's the knowledge you know about Jesus that's going to bring you through your problem. It's the knowledge of Jesus. Is, is, does Jesus ever make anybody sick? No. Then you know he, he healed everybody. Then he knows he's going to heal you. Did he make people poor? No. no, he supplied. He multiplied people and they had so much they had baskets load left over. God wants to provide so much for you that you have much over so you can give it out to somebody else. I'm speaking that God has supernatural provision for you. You get, tell someone, get to know Jesus. What do I, you know, I don't know what to do in this situation. Look at Jesus. A lot of things are solved by looking at Jesus. In Jesus Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You need wisdom and knowledge, look at Jesus, it's in him. By long-suffering. Long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. Ministers of God commend themselves to others by the fruit of the Spirit they manifest. God has given you the fruit of the Spirit in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your test, in the midst of what you're going through. He's given you fruit to walk by. Ask someone, are you fruity? (laughs) 
There's too much laughter going on out here. That's a resource. That long-suffering has already been given to you. It's in your spirit. It's all in there. It's like prego. It's all in there. If you're under 30, then Google it. Prego. YouTube or whatever. That long suffering's on the inside of you, and it only comes out when you need long suffering. Or it'd be called short suffering. I would like some of that. Short suffering. A lot of Christians are good at that. Short suffering. By kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Again, you have the fruit of the Spirit in the midst of your trial. You mean just the fruit? You got anything more for me? No. It'll put you through. Kindness. Because when people are hateful and you're kind, good overcomes evil. Every time. Light overcomes darkness every time. By kindness. By the Holy Spirit. What do you have to lean on? What resource do you have in the midst of your trial? You have the Holy Spirit. The one that created universes, the universe and galaxies and stars. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Well, Pastor, I don't know what to do in my situation. Well, someone does. It's the Holy Spirit. This speaking of the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit. But you need to call upon the Holy Spirit to help you in this situation. Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do. I'm calling upon you. He's your helper. The word helper is paraclete, one called alongside to help. The Holy Spirit helps some Christians a whole lot more than others because some Christians depend on them more. So, so you need to depend on the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit. Most Christians, and I'll be honest, I'm going to open my heart and close it because I don't know all of you guys. I, one time I said, I've heard, Father God, I heard that praying in tongues gives you power and, and it just causes you to overcome. And it's like, you know what? I haven't experienced that. I'm sorry, Father. I mean, I basically use tongues to prove I'm still saved. <laughs> oh, it's still there. Thank you. Tongues is more than just to make sure you're still saved. And I just don't, and I'll be honest with you, I said, Lord, I just don't feel the power that I'm supposed to have through this. And then the Holy Spirit spoke on the inside, son, it's because you're not praying in tongues long enough. Because all I do is when you start praying in tongues, you enter the divine protocol to the presence of God, which is, which is praise, worship, and thanksgiving. You give thanks well. And so most Christians are just getting into thanks and praise, but you haven't gotten into the deeper realms of tongues. You know what I'm talking about. When you've prayed a long time in tongues and it changes into Chinese, ching, ching, chung, and you're like, oh, business is being transacted. I haven't prayed an entire hour in tongues that I didn't feel fortified on the inside and the supernatural peace of God on the inside. And you become sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to be praying in tongues more. Well, there's no problem in my life. Well, one's coming. Don't prophesy that, Pastor. 
Do you know that in the January of 2020, the Lord spoke to me and said the, the main theme of the church that year is prayer, specifically praying in the Holy Spirit. We rolled that out to the church, rolled that out to leadership. Matter of fact, leadership read uh, Tongues from the Upper Room by Kenneth Hagin. Good book I recommend. And, and so guess what the Holy Spirit knew was coming? The pandemic hit around late March, early April. But guess what? We had three solid months of praying in the Holy Ghost. And we came through without a smell of, of smoke. By sincere love, God has given you the love of God in the midst of your problem. The love of God. The love of God will fix anything that's broken. The love of God will fix your wagon. When you combine, and, and so this is all fruit. I've just named you fruit after fruit after fruit. When you combine the knowledge of the word and the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit, you got something. Let me say that again. When you combine the word, knowledge of the word of God you combine the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you got something. It'll bring you through. Verse 7. By the word of truth. What else has been given to you? The word of God. Thy word is truth, John 17, 17. So, so you, you said, well, Lord, I just, I went to God and I asked him for guidance and what did I do in my problem? And all I got was a scripture. Yeah. You're to stand on that, and that's your weapon. That's your weapon you're going to win with. Is the rhema word of God. The word of truth. By the power of God. You've been given power. Tell someone you got the power. Oh, I'm almost here a movie theme. coming. No. You have the dunamis of God on the inside in the midst of your problem. See, a lot of you, you haven't been looking, you haven't been looking at grace, at what you have. You've just been having poochie lip in your problem. <laughs> and you've been looking at your problem, how big it is. Oh, oh, it's so huge. It's like a Christian looked down and saw a little bump and then he meditated on it and become a lump. And before long, it was a stump. I'm going to lose my arm. Some of you have made your problem way too big. It's not as big as you're making it. Because your emotions are all involved, and it's huge right now. Look at Jesus. You have the power for the hour. This is the anointing. And the various ministries of the Holy Spirit at your disposal. We need a balance of the word and spirit as a Christian. Tell someone, stay balanced. I believe in balance. I keep my bubble in the middle. You need a balance of the word and the spirit. All word and you dry up. All spirit, you blow up. But if you have a balance of the word and spirit, you will grow up. Tell someone grow up. 
We're talking about the resources of God's grace. His 11 buys for your 11 ends. Your, your 11 ways you're going to come out of what you're in. The ins and outs of grace. By the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. This is the armor of God that God's giving you. And in the ancient world, he says armor on the right hand, armor on the left. And so what was that? The left hand had the shield. The right hand had the sword. What's the shield? The shield of faith. That's been given to you. You have the faith of God. You have the faith of Jesus. Are you using it? And the sword is the word of God, the rhema spoken out of your mouth. Jesus is going to come back one day and he's going to smite the nations with a sword that comes out of his mouth. And so you need to make sure that sword is coming out of your mouth. A lot of you guys are just whimpering in front of your, in your problem instead of speaking to your problem. But you need a quickened word from God to speak. You're loaded, guys. These 11 buys will overwhelm your 11 ends. Thank you. I Greg, that was Greg Moore. I'm sorry. That was Greg. There you go. Verse 8, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, by honor. You know, in the ministry, you're going to receive honor from some and dishonor from some. But you know, when you're getting dishonor from people, you need to receive the honor that comes from God. You mean God will show, show me honor? Yeah. He wants to honor you. In the midst of your problem. When people are dissing you. The Lord wants to honor you. Psalms 91, look at verse 15. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. The Lord wants to honor somebody in this room. And when he honors... He honors. By evil report and good report. Sometimes in the ministry you'll have negative reports about you. In some cases, injurious rumors made about you that's not founded on truth. So what are you going to do? Defend yourself? Will you defend yourself? Well, if you don't defend yourself, who will? God will. And he will do it with a good report. The Lord will make sure you receive a good report. In the natural, now this is the natural, I'm not talking about your spirit, I'm talking about just in the natural. In the natural, you're almost never as bad or good as people say you are. Because I've, had, I've been better than sliced bread, and then I've been rotten bread. I'm not that bad, and I'm not that good. Ask Joanne. <laughs> One day, she really, there's a way that sometimes you, uh, you can just be put right in its place. And so I was saying something, and, she, and my wife says, you're, you're, you're normal. 
I'm normal? Yeah, you're normal. I thanked her later. Don't be, don't be moved by what people have to say about you. You need to be, so, but if they're negative to you, at least go back and say, is it true? Because sometimes, I don't care how they say it, there might be a kernel of truth in it. So at least be able to repent and take the good and throw out the bad. God has a good report for every bad report of the enemy and from people. Hebrews 11, we're almost done. There's hope. <laughs> Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it. By what? Faith. 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 By faith. By faith, the elders obtained a good report. That's King, King James. Can you pop up King James? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. And so how are you going to get a good report? Trust God. If you trust God, he'll make sure that you get a good report. And the good report trumps the bad report because truth trumps lies. Hebrews 11.39 in the King James. And these all having obtained a good report. The heroes of faith. Those obtained a good report through faith. Received not the promise. That's Old Testament. We've received all the promises. And you're going to receive a good report how? By faith. As deceivers, yet true. Deceivers. There, were, there, there was one of the accusations leveled against Paul was he was a deceiver. Of course, he wasn't a deceiver. He says, as deceivers, yet true. Say yet true. Paul's going to use six yets. That there's a negative thing hit your life yet. There's a yet of grace. That's the last word. Are you going to let grace have the last word? Yet true. Verse 9. As unknown and yet well known. To many, Paul, the many that met Paul did not know him. He was a complete unknown. Those that ministered to him, some of them knew him some, but not all. And so, yet he's well known. You know, as a Christian, you're well known in three realms. As a Christian, you're well known in heaven. You're well known on the earth by the satanic forces here. And then you're known under the earth by hell itself. As dying, behold, we live. Actually, he literally fulfilled this when he was stoned in Lystra. And he rose again from the dead. Behold, we live. You have you ever seen a picture of a surfer? And a, this is a why. I mean, this is the big waves. And he goes through the pipe and, the, and, the, and that, that, that wave. And you think, oh, he's dead meat. He's dead. And all of a sudden, at the very end, out there through the mist, you see him still going. Welcome to being a Christian. That was, oh, we got him. He's going to be swamped. He's going to be killed. And no, you're st you come through the mist. Still going. You act like I've really surfed. I've never surfed. But I believe I could do it. You're coming through, little surfer. 
as chastened yet not killed. Verse 10, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. There's the oxymoron of the Christian life, that in your soul you can have sorrow. That someone can die and you can have sorrow in your soul. You can have something going on that brings sorrow to your soul. That's okay. God created your emotions. Well, I deny all negative emotions. I'm an android. No, you have emotions, but you have something in the spirit called joy. You can rejoice in your spirit, man, in the midst of your soul sorrowful. As poor, yet making many people rich. Now, he's not poor because I'm holy and I'm just poor. No, he, he's a missionary and he's being persecuted. He's in jail. He's, he's suffering these things because of persecution. Actually, he had money because he had his own hired house in Rome on, the first, on his first imprisonment. He wasn't in the deep, dark uh, dungeon with the rats and everything. That's the second time he's in Rome. The first time, he's in his own hired house. So he had enough money to be there for over a year to pay for his own hired house. Yet making many rich. You know, when you minister revelation, it'll cause people to experience the riches of God. Because natural riches come from spiritual riches. Yet having nothing but possessing all things. Well, pastor, I don't got nothing. But you possess all things. You possess all things. Why? Well, no. how's that? You got Jesus. When you have Jesus, you got everything. How much more with him will he freely give you all things? So you might be in a situation right now, but the Lord's bringing you out. You might have an end in your life right now, but by the grace of God, the goodness of God, and the greatness of God, it's going to take you through your test, your trial, and your tribulation. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for the ins and outs of grace that the enemy has thrown everything that he can at us, but you have a plan to bring us out. You say, Pastor, I'm in a situation. I, I, don't, I, I didn't know where it was. I didn't ask for it. I'm in a situation. I'm in one of those, those trials, tests, and tribulations right now. But I realize God has given me everything to face it and overcome it. And I'm going to look to Jesus. I'm going to receive his goodness, his grace, and his greatness. I'm going to receive the divine by for my in. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand. You're in something right now, but you're coming out. The ins and outs of grace. Father, I thank you for those that are, that are in this situation. I speak the grace of God by the grace of God, the goodness of God, the greatness of God, and by all the resources that we studied, Lord, I thank you that you're bringing them out. And Lord, I thank you they're going to have a good report. A good report. A victory in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Amen. All right, let's pray. Let's, or, or praise or something. <laughs> you pray, you praise, whatever you feel like you're doing. Praise the Lord. God is awesome. He has a plan for every one of our lives. And... Uh, one of the things God has been teaching me 
is when I get a pain in my body, I speak to it. And I tell it, it's got to go. And it leaves. I've been battling with a pain. And the Lord says, I'm still with you. The word says that with himself, he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness. By whose stripes we were healed. That means it's already done. We don't have to beg for it. We don't have to plead for it. It's already ours. Just like this song is saying, he is for us. He is not against us. And we got to just stand and keep on standing. Just like the pastor says, keep on looking to Jesus. Don't look anywhere else. Just trust him and know that he is going to bring you through it. Whatever you're facing, if it's a pain, you just keep standing on the word and praising God through it because you will come out victorious. This is very short, but I hope it's an encouragement. I was reading Kenneth Copeland's book, The Blessing, and at the very last, there's a chapter that says, come and sit with me. What an awesome message. Kenneth was having a problem, and the Lord said, come on up here, Kenneth, and sit down here on my throne with me. Everything is going to be all right. My angels are at work on your behalf. My power is in operation. The blessing is working for you, son. So just come sit down here and rest. Everything is in good shape. And I would say that whatever you're going through, he has it.